I tried all the things. I've done the poop tests. I've done the elimination diet. I've done all the gut healing programs, all the four steps, all the five steps. And I still am suffering. When I hear that, I go, okay, great, right? Because they're like, I got better, but like 60% better, but I'm not. That other 40%, 50, 60% is really dictated by what they're holding in. Hey guys, today is such a special show. I just got done recording with Dr. Christian Gonzalez, aka Dr. G. He is very well known among the wellness space and he's also the host of the Heal Thyself podcast. And we talk all about emotional suppression. And so if you have been dealing with chronic issues, gut issues, skin issues, maybe anxiety, depression, and you've tried all the things, you've tried maybe therapy, you've tried different diet and you just don't seem to be getting anywhere. This is such an eye-opener and so I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. And you guys know this already, but you are listening to the Digest This Podcast and I'm your host, Bethany Cameron. Let's get right into the show. I don't know about you, but for me, when it gets into the cooler months, I don't drink enough water and it's easy for me to get dehydrated. Like most people, we often drink less water in the fall and winter for a few reasons. First of all, it isn't hot like it is in the summer, so naturally our thirst for water goes down because we aren't sweating in the sun. But just because it's not hot doesn't mean we need less hydration. We need the same amount all year long. And in fact, we may actually need more in the wintertime because most of us are drinking more hot coffees, lattes, and teas, which can actually dehydrate you. Yes, you heard me. Caffeinated drinks like coffee and tea can dehydrate us. So for every one cup of coffee, we should be consuming three additional cups of water. Most people don't take that into consideration. It's just so easy to opt for a hot cup of joe rather than just water in the cooler months. I'm not saying you should stop enjoying your cup of joe for sure, right? I enjoy a cup of coffee myself. But what I am reminding you and myself is to drink extra water. Now, a trick for me to drink extra water is by adding one packet of Elements electrolytes into my Stanley cup. By doing this, it helps me not only stay hydrated, but I'm also getting my daily electrolyte needs. Sometimes it's not enough just to drink plain water, and we often need essential minerals to help balance out our body and stay hydrated. I personally stick with Element's raw unflavored version, which contains no sugar, no flavorings, no coloring, and no fillers. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of salt, magnesium, and potassium, and their unflavored version has only those three ingredients. Other electrolyte drink mixes have added sugar, maltodextrin, dextrose, gums, and even added oils. Electrolytes are essential for our body to function, so you want to not only make sure you are getting them, but you are getting the best kind. There's also research to back that when you keep hydrated, there are lower risks of anxiety and depression in individuals. So at the very least, do it for your mental health. And it's a cheap way to prevent all sorts of other issues caused by dehydration. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for those following a keto, low-carb, vegan, or paleo diet. And right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packs free with any Element order. To get free packs, you must go to drinklmnt.com slash digest to get this offer. Element also has a no questions asked refund policy. So you can literally try it totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, they will give you a full refund, all your money back, no questions asked. And you can keep what you have. So you have literally nothing to lose. So just go to drinklmnt.com slash digest to get this amazing offer. There's a new ingredient on the market proven to be just as effective as fluoride and completely non-toxic. We all know how fluoride can affect our health and research continues to evolve. 
According to the International Association of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, fluoride can contribute to acne and other skin conditions, high blood pressure, thyroid dysfunction, TMJ, and even neurological problems. And acute high-level exposure to fluoride can lead to abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, and even muscle spasms. So thankfully, this new fluoride replacement ingredient is just as effective for dental hygiene and much safer. You guys, this new ingredient is called hydroxyapatite and it's the active ingredient used in bite toothpaste non-toxic bits. Unlike fluoride, hydroxyapatite works by remineralizing enamel from within, reaching the innermost part of a dental cavity, and it binds to plaque and harmful bacteria in our mouth. So if you're brushing your teeth daily, and I hope you are, that's a lot of exposure to chemicals that could potentially accumulate and take a toll on your health. So if you're brushing your teeth anyways, why not switch to a cleaner, more sustainable brand like Bite? Bite toothpaste bits have been in my household for over a year, and my husband and I love using their fluoride-free tablets for our oral health. I even love their mouthwash tablets that are so convenient to travel with or just keep in your purse for a quick mouth refresher. For the mouthwash, you just bite down on a tablet with a bit of water, then swish it around in your mouth. You can even do this in your car. It's perfect on the go. And for the toothpaste bits, I typically take two at a time and chew them up in my mouth wet my toothbrush, then start brushing. Bite also has a natural teeth whitening kit. So if you've been looking for a natural toothpaste without the paste, try Bite toothpaste tablets, which come in glass jars to help reduce plastic waste. Experience what I, my husband, and so many others are obsessed with. And right now, Bite is offering my listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash digest or simply use code digest at checkout. Thank you so much, Dr. G, for coming on the show today. I know that it's been a long time coming and this is one episode everyone should hear because you have quite a story of your own. And first of all, I'm a huge fan. I've been listening to your podcast, Heal Thyself, since before I started my own. And so this is kind of surreal now that I am interviewing you on my podcast. But a lot of people know you. And if they don't, they need to follow you on Instagram and follow your podcast. But a lot of people do know you and that you are well known for talking about diet, toxins in the environment, products we are using in, on, and around our bodies. But you recently made a switch to focus on emotional healing. And I want to get into that a little bit as to why you made that switch. And, and not to say that you're, you're not uh, taking care of yourself and, and obviously you're still eating good and things like that, but your focus now is a lot about emotional healing. So let us uh, in on that. The emotional healing piece became very important in my understanding of really what are the pillars and foundations of health. And as I came out of school, I knew the importance of nutrition. That was like one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and I was such a proponent of plant-based eating, as I still am. Um, but so much of my passion was there. And as I learned more about working with cancer and I learned seeing patients and really what drives cancer. There's a few things that we know evidence-based wise, which are, you know, metabolic health, obesity, smoking, alcohol, right? These we know, genetics, these we know are pieces for cancer. But there's things that we sort of know too, and there actually is formal, you know, studies that were that were put out years and years ago, and even up till today on on things that continuously we ignore, but has a hand in cancer. So one of those being environmental toxins, which is why I went down that road of looking at what things in our environment are affecting our health. And as you said before, that's sort of what I uh, became more known for. And then there was a moment where I thought about, okay, we're going to be exposed to toxins. We can reduce 
our households, our, our workplace. We can reduce even the stuff that we're being exposed to in our car, right? Like how, whatever we're exposed in our environment. But our resiliency really is important. And then that got me thinking, what's resiliency? And it got me thinking about, okay, well, if we have a cup that overflows and when it overflows, it manifests a disease, then we have to think about what the size of the cup is dictated by, right? Because like, if you have a small shot glass and it, that's going to overflow every few months and then you're just going to be chronically sick. Whereas if you have a giant bathtub, it's going to overflow maybe never, right? So we really want to build the resiliency. And I thought to myself, what dictates the size of the cup? And for me, it was stress. Well, there's different types of stress. There's physical stress, like you know, you're climbing Mount Everest, that's physical stress. That if you're working out every single day, all day, that's physical stress. There's chemical stress, right? Like the environmental toxins as I was talking about, or if you're living in a house with asbestos, that's chemical stress. And then there's just stress, the, the generalized one where we go, honey, I'm stressed. But we don't really think about like what that means, right? We don't, we, we, we think just stress is a state that we're in without understanding, well, what does that really mean? For me, if someone walks, if my partner walks in the house and she goes, honey, I'm stressed. What I hear is, honey, at some point today, I wasn't able to express my authentic emotion that I wanted to. So then I might say, oh, well, what happened? And she might say, well, at work, I was, I was doing my thing. And then like my boss just came in and was really aggressive. And he was sort of yelling at me and he just embarrassed me and told me off. And I got really stressed. Well, what I'm hearing is I really wanted to express a ton of anger and couldn't because of, you know, the, the structure of the office and you have to, you know, temper down your authentic expression because you're at work and you don't want to go off on your boss like that. Of course not. But to me, what I hear is, okay, well, I repressed that emotion. Now I'm coming home and I'm calling it stress. When in reality, all your body wants is that space to express that energy. So that's when I started thinking about resiliency. And that's when I started thinking about what really stress is. And ultimately, what I find is the emotional health, the emotional authentic expression, the emotional healing is fundamental, fundamental to health, fundamental. There's fundamentals that we know, like eating healthy and sleeping right and having good community. This is fundamental. Because for me, if someone is not being authentic to their real emotions that want to come out, but they're eating healthy diet and avoiding toxins. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me, right? Because their glass is still a little shot glass that's being overflowed over and over and over. You know, it's interesting. So many people don't even know they need emotional healing or that they're emotionally suppressed. And does stress lead to emotional suppression or does emotional suppression lead to stress? Stress leads to emotional suppression leads to stress. Emotional. Okay. And, and we're not, again, there's the chemical stress, right? So you mm -hmm. can't say I'm emotionally repressing my anger and it's leading to me being exposed to mold, right? That's different. Where emotional repression leads to the thing that we call stress in our body where we feel that day to day, where someone goes, I'm stressed out. Me and my boyfriend, me and my girlfriend just broke up. I'm stressed out. That's the emotional repression. The most common thing that we think of as stress is, is led by repressing the emotions. And that's the experience that we have. We feel that's the felt experience from repressed emotion. Wow. Now I want to talk a little bit about uh, what emotional healing is how you can have emotional healing. But before we get to that, uh, what are some issues that can arise from just healing our emotions? Or let's just say like skin issues, for example. What are some physical issues someone may be experiencing that could be healed or addressed by addressing your emotions? Mm. There, and I'm going to say this with my own experience, with what I've seen. Um, anecdotally, right? But but I've seen a lot of people, and I and I I kind of know the patterns I've seen by now. Um, and there's no like double blind data on okay, this is how anger looks in the body when it's at this level at this part of the body. We can't do that because because ultimately we can't quantify something that is unquantifiable with energy, right? And we can't quantify it the way it moves in the body. 
we can't quantify the way it represses in the body, that we never will unless we come out with an incredible quantum tool that can. And we were not there yet. So I will say that there's, I'm speaking from, again, anecdotally what I see. And when you see a lot of people, you start to notice certain trends. And then when you notice the trends, you get, you start to call, okay, I think I know what's going to happen here. And then it unfolds and it happens. And then at some point you're like, I know what's going to happen here. And then it unfolds and it happens. That's where I am. I, I, I pretty much know exactly what's going on and people I see before I even see them. Right when I meet them, I can feel into them. So anger is a emotion that is very common. That is one of the most repressed ones because of society. Regardless if you're male or female, tougher for females. Anger is one that is so looked down upon in the sense of it's such a charged emotion and our only real experience with anger is a hurtful one. Our only real experience is, you know, when dad was angry in the household and we had to contract or we had to people please, where if mom was angry in the household, the same thing, or she was unpredictable. We, a lot of us grew up in household where one parent or both parents didn't have the tools to communicate, didn't have the tools to integrate their own emotions, process and express away from each other so they can come back to each other in a healthy way. That's, that's, a, that's a really, really conscious level of parenting. And a lot of parents, a lot of our parents weren't there because they didn't have the tools. Our generation has tools. So something like anger expresses in the gut, uh, in the belly. We see that in Chinese medicine. They say the same thing in the liver. I see that in my clients in the upper right quadrant of the belly. Uh, fear is something that is also in the belly. And I see it in the upper left quadrant around the stomach or the spleen. Chinese medicine says it's in the kidneys. I, I can see that too. Uh, and that powerlessness, the feeling of I'm helpless in the belly too, usually under the belly button. Now, what does that lead to? Oftentimes it's gut issues, bloating, SIBO, constipation, diarrhea, inflammatory bowel disease. All of the issues that we see in gastroenterology or functional gastroenterology, and we, you know, we change diets and we give supplements for, we need to do that. But oftentimes I'm seeing the people that goes, I tried all the things. I've done the poop tests. I've done the elimination diets. I've done all the gut healing programs, all the four steps, all the five steps. And I still am suffering. When I hear that, I go, okay, great. Right? Because they're like, I got better, but like 60% better, but I'm not. That other 40%, 50-60% is really dictated by what they're holding in. And oftentimes, you can sense that. When you do this enough and connect with people, you can sense when there's that emotion. You can feel it in their energy. You can see it in their face. You can see that redness, the inflammation in the body when they start talking about things. And what I've noticed most is people who are, a lot of women I work with, women who are oftentimes easily weepy, you know, they're crying, they're telling their story, they're crying. I'm not thinking they're repressing sadness, right? Because it's easily expressed. But for me, usually under that is a ton of anger, a ton of anger. And that being the case yesterday, when a young woman walked in and she was talking about her past, she couldn't even get through a few first sentences without crying before we even started. But ultimately, I knew what was there. And what was there was an emotion that was so unlovable when she was little, so unacceptable. I want you, we have to think about it this way. When we're children, we can't consciously put A, B, C, D, and E together and put logic around it. We can't consciously go, dad's really stressed. He has emotional trauma from his dad. There's a parental wound. There's a father wound in them. Or we go, mom's really stressed. She's really, she just lost her job. No, we only know mom and dad. We know them as, as the, the patriarch and the matriarch of our families. We, we know them as pillar stones. We know them as the, the, the person who feeds us and the person we play with. We're, we're, we're so beautifully simple in our, the way we see the world as children. So with that said, when there's an expression that is unsafe, our first instinct is we need to survive in the tribe. We have to. We have to. This is genetic, instinctual signals that we have. So the way that we survive in the tribe is to not show the anger that is not acceptable in the tribe, right? So if we see dad getting really mad and it's destructive and the whole house is walking on eggshells and mom's really quiet and, the, and my siblings go to their room and I'm really scared, does that allow the space for me to show my anger? No, because 
I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not acceptable in the tribe. That stimulus, we all of a sudden, we, we, we let go of our authenticity. We sacrifice it in order for our survival. We do this so early on that we forget that we've done it and it becomes part of our personality. By the time we're 13, 14, 15, we're already repressing our emotions. By the time we're 20, we think it's us. By the time we're 30, we go, I don't know why I'm sick. This is what's happening in our bodies. And this is why this is fundamental and needs to be talked about at the highest level. Wow. Yeah. I mean, childhood can affect every single part of our adult life and we don't even know it. And I think that's a lot of what people are going through today, perhaps, maybe not, is that so many people are are going through huge changes. They are needing emotional releases and they have no idea why. Um, obviously the pandemic was a whirlwind and that took a toll on a lot of people. And I know a lot of people are still dealing with it till this day, whether that's physically or mentally, or uh, they, they've become this quote new normal and they don't even realize it. And so, um, you know, just trying to kind of go back, take a step back and have people really look at their childhood and see maybe some things that were not addressed. Now, all that said, I'm, I've heard that anxiety, obviously digestive issues like you just talked about, but also addiction, skin issues, sleep disorders, all of these things in my, from what I understand, can be healed from just emotional healing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I can say, I can say it plays a big, big role in the healing, and we're not looking at it. So you mentioned a few mental disorders. Now, what happens is this: when we repress that emotion, when we sacrifice our authentic expression that we had as children for safety in the family unit or wherever we're raised, we continue doing that throughout our lives. You know, We need acceptance in the tribe, but then our new tribe at school is different and we have a school tribe. And then we have a middle school tribe and we have the cool kids tribe, right? Then we have college and we have our, our, our partnerships. These are all things where we begin to really find out what parts of us are accepted by other people and not accepted. And that's where we begin to formulate our identity. Right. So oftentimes people come to me and I'm like, how much of you is you? Right. Cause, cause really, again, oftentimes most of the person that is in front of me is not fully them. It's the parts of them that have been deemed safe by others. The parts of them that they've created as their identity in order to survive throughout parts of their timeline of their life. So with that said, then that stands to believe that there is a part of us, there is a, a, a more whole expressed version of us. When we are in that space, it's really hard to be in a place where you're chronically sick. It's really hard to be in a place where you have mental disruption. What happens is this, when we repress that emotion, it stays in our body, it stays in our fascia, through our nervous system. Our nervous system holds it in the fascia and holds it. We think it's in the muscle, but the muscle is wrapped in fascia. So the fascia is holding it. The nervous system is getting the signal to hold it or hold it. Imagine how much depletion that causes in the body in itself. Then we begin to compensate. What happens is we compensate because we need to express that energy some way. And this might be a clear way to understand this. And, and I want everyone listening to think about this if you've done this. If you live in a household, again, let's work with anger because that's easy. If you live in a household where you had a really angry father, and I say angry father because it's pretty common. I see a lot of people saying, yeah, no, my dad was pretty angry. He would have outbursts. So let's say there's an angry father. And when he's angry, mom shuts down. Mom shuts down and she's super quiet and she's disconnected from the whole family, right? That is a compensation mechanism that your mom learned early on as a child where in her household, most likely, by virtue of the way things work, she had an angry father. And it's expressed the same energy through her husband. So she had an angry father. And she learned the way to survive for her in her own personality and her own parts of her was to shut down. Whereas someone else in the family, let's say you, the child, instead of shutting down, 
you overcompensate and you become really people pleasing. So when dad's angry, you get extra nice. You want to make sure you're tempering the household. You're reducing the heat in the, in the household. So you want to show up for everyone and you want to cook and you want to clean all the dishes and you want to, you want to organize, you know, dad's shoes and, 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 and mom's clothes, right? You want to help, 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 help. That's another compensation, right? There's, there might be another sibling where there's an angry father and their compensation is to just push in their own anger and meet their father in their anger. And then that's the rebellious team. The one that's a really angry, I have an angry brother, I have an angry sister. So different pieces in the family have different compensations. But ultimately, all of those compensations are led by anxiety. We call what the mom does avoidant attachment or just avoidance. We call what the child does, the people pleasing, the anxious attachment. Psychology gives all these names where ultimately it's just the way we protect ourselves from expressing that emotion. Those are protective mechanisms. Whereas the sibling who was really angry and meeting the father, the rebellious teen can get into drugs and get into addiction. Again, a compensation rooted in anxiety. So we have to think about this. When someone says, I'm addicted to something and I've done all the things and I don't know why I can't get unaddicted and, I, and I'm just stuck in this cycle, what I'm hearing is that every single time that emotion that wasn't allowed when you were a child was coming up, you, instead of expressing that really scary emotion, fell into what you've been used to since you were a child, and that's addiction. Fell what you were used to since a child, anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Fell what you're used to since you were a child, just shutting down, going into your room, not talking to anyone, shutting off from the world, and calling that depression at some point. These are all downstream protective mechanisms to upstream emotional charges emotions that are unlovable that we don't allow ourselves to express. And if you continue in that compensation over and over and over, repressing, using the nervous system's resources to hold that emotion, then your physical health starts to suffer at some point. Hormones disrupted through the nervous system, immune system disrupted through the nervous system, nervous system disrupted overall neurological system. Your muscles, are you living in a state of tension? You find that your whole body's tight, right? These are all signs that you're holding in something that needs to be expressed. And, and sort of that's, that's the high level big picture of, of, of what I oftentimes see, what I oftentimes hear. And, and the solution usually heals all of that. I can't say for everyone and I can't say 100%, but oftentimes the expression of that emotion knocks everything down like dominoes. All my regular listeners know that each month I give away amazing quality goods to those that simply rate and review the podcast. And so for the month of October, I'm giving away giant pale buckets of Artisana Organics organic chocolate spreads, plus their seasonal gingerbread pecan butters to three of my listeners. You guys heard me. I'm dishing out giant buckets of basically a healthier version of Nutella that's organic certified, palm oil free, cashew cocoa spread, just in time for all your holiday baking. If you were to buy this online, one pail would cost you $58 just for one bucket of this delicious chocolate spread. That just goes to show how much volume this pail truly contains and what you'll be getting. Plus, I'm also going to include two extra jars of Artisana Organics Seasonal Gingerbread Pecan Spread you can only get from them directly. This is not sold in stores. So three of my listeners will receive over $80 worth of quality organic nut butters. And all you have to do is rate and review this podcast and I will be reaching out to you on Instagram if chosen. So be sure you leave your IG handle in your review. Good luck. Better digestion means better skin, better mood, better brain function, better immune function, and optimum digestion can even regulate your hormones. Because when you can't digest food properly, you're not able to absorb the nutrients you're consuming. And that is where we get our energy and vitality from to combat and regulate our entire body. So you want to make sure your gut is on point and that's why I focus so much on gut health. I get asked all the time on my Instagram what probiotic pill I recommend and if I even do recommend any at all. Well, 
the one I personally take is Seeds DSO1. This has been in my home for almost an entire year now. And the reason I love it is, well, because one, it doesn't need refrigeration. And if you're taking a probiotic capsule that does need refrigeration, you better think twice. Because if it needs refrigeration, then how will it survive your 98.6 body temperature once you ingest it? Seeds DS01 capsule is a soil-based probiotic and prebiotic, and it's a capsule within a capsule. So there's two capsules in one. This is designed to make its way all the way through your stomach and survive your stomach acid, with studies even showing its 100% survivability rate. Seed is a pre and probiotic that makes gut support simple. Healthy regularity and an ease of bloating are just a few other common perks you may experience, some in as little as 24 hours. Each person does react differently, of course, and you can't substitute a pill for a healthy diet. When I take it, I make sure it's in the morning on an empty stomach for it to thoroughly do its job. And with our sustainable biomaterials and refill system delivered each month, they are making more of an impact on the earth beyond our own bodies. So get the real deal in a symbiotic, one that's backed by clinical trials and scientific data. And you guys know I have a code for you. So if you visit seed.com slash digest, use code digest to receive a whopping 30% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Again, that's seed.com slash digest and use code digest. Seed dot com slash digest and use code digest. I mean, this is also just a side note too. If anyone listening has children, it's that's why it's so important to have your children really express their emotions because it exactly. does affect them. Yeah, later in life. So just, you know, side note, definitely let your children express and talk to them and don't just think that it's even if if it's something something small like oh Johnny stole my toy and now I'm feeling sad and then you just say oh just get over it you really it's big mm. to that child it's that's huge and so you, you explained that so well Dr G now again I really want to touch in to how people can get emotional healing because is it the yeah. same for everyone or is it just different for each individual? I'll go right into that in one second, but you made a really good point about children. And I'm not a dad. I will be at some point. But what I do know is this. Their generational trauma is real, right? Passing on our anxieties of the way that we want to control the experience of our child based on what our subconscious signals of our body are telling us. This is how it happens. It's if we have, again, a family member who is so angry and we repress that anger, that anger is going to be triggered at some point in the family unit. At some point, really oftentimes with our child, our child is going to trigger that repressed anger and we're going to take it out on our kid. And that kid is going to only have a poor experience with anger, only a poor experience and only know that anger is hurtful, it's destructive, it is painful, it causes issues in the family. This is the child's experience. It's our job before we have children, or if you have children like yesterday, it is our job to go inward and start connecting with our bodies and begin to feel what is so scary for us to feel and begin to feel ourselves protect what is so scary for us to feel. Because if we don't do that, it is, it is for me, we haven't even define this as a universal law, but a universal law that we will pass that on to our children. It is so, so important. If you're a mother, it's so powerful, the connection between the mother and the son, the son being able to see really what the feminine expression looks like, what is safe. And oftentimes that sponsors the son's experience down the line when they find a partner. But really the relationship between the mother and the daughter is so sacred. Because this is fully, fully the model of what it means to be in feminine expression. And if the mother is not balanced in her true expression, if she's scared to be angry, not taking it out on the children, but having a room in the house where she can express that anger and it's normalized, guess what? 
when a woman is able to express her anger and show that to her child, she's able to show her child that oh, that child can always be in touch with her power. Because when we're not expressing our anger in a healthy way, we're not expressing our power in a healthy way. We cannot express boundaries. It's impossible. Because anytime we want to express a boundary, we're too afraid of offending someone. So when instead of saying the boundary that is true to us and putting ourselves first and what our wants, desires, and needs are, instead we worry so much and we trump all of our stuff by worrying about how we're going to offend someone. So we never put down that boundary. Why? Because we never seen our own anger. The moment we get to witness the power, the strength, the intensity of our own anger, it's really hard to be scared about triggering someone else in their own anger because you've seen your own shit. That's the, that's the importance of a woman being in touch with her anger because she passes on how to be in touch with your power to her child. Very, very important. You know, so it, listen, all the mothers out there, if you have a daughter or just a daughter and a son, whatever it is, have a space, pops, fathers, have a space where it is normalized in your house to get into a room, express and move that energy. Speaking. You, using your using your voice is going to be so important to move that energy and having that normalized. And you can do it with the kids, asking the kids, hey, are you mad? Yeah, they took my toy. Where where do you feel that? Have them not lose that somatic awareness of where it is felt. Because if they go, I'm mad. Okay, honey, scream. They're not going to have the connection where it is in the body. I'm mad. Where is it, honey? Right here, my stomach, right here. Okay, touch it. Touch where it is. Okay, now put your fingers and push. Push where it is. Okay, now let's now let's breathe all together into the belly and let's make a noise. How does that anger sound? Ah. Okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Have, have the children have that somatic awareness to know where it is. Have the children have the somatic awareness to know, never lose what it is to breathe into the belly because we all lose that and it's essential for moving that emotion. And have them be able to push, to feel. Where does it feel tender? Where are you holding it in? And then ultimately, losing our voice. This is the most important part of expressing that emotion. The voice is, if your voice is not connected authentically to, to how deep and painful and loud and messy and ugly and scary your voice can be, if we're not connected to that, no emotion is going to move. It doesn't move. It won't move. You can't move emotions by just gently breathing like, hmm right? You move emotions by allowing your voice. You ever see a kid fall and they get up and they look at you and they never just have tears coming down their eyes and they're quiet. No, they're making sound. They're going, <laughs> right? Sound. They're always connected to their voice until they're not. Until the family unit says your voice, the intensity of your voice, the loudness, you being big is not allowed. And when we give the child that signal, the first thing that is repressed is their voice, that leading to emotional oppression. So what I'm trying to say is we have to come back to our voice. You have to learn what it is to be big again. Learn what it is to be big again with your voice, with your singing, with your humming, with your breath, with your sounds, with your roars. You have to play with your voice. And what you're going to find is the more you do that, the more your body feels safe to do what? to do what it does best, and that's heal. Begin to move that emotion that is anywhere in the body because you're giving that runway in your throat for that jet, that airplane of emotion to finally land and express. That's the key. Mm, wow. And you had mentioned when you're speaking with a child, you know, to point, hey, where do you feel this? Do you feel it in your tummy? Do you feel it in maybe your heart? But could an adult do that to themselves as well and say, hmm, where do I feel this emotion? And kind of analyze themselves. We need it more. We need it more. The child will be able to find it faster than the adult because the child is still not far removed from their authentic expression, from their full... You've seen a kid throw a tantrum. We've seen that. We've seen the authentic expression. We've seen a kid get so happy that they got the new toy that they run and they jump on the couch and they go, yeah, 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 wahoo, woo. And they run around the house on Christmas, right? We've seen that. Let me tell you something. Just because you're an adult doesn't mean your body doesn't want to do that. I promise you it does. The stimulus and the signals in us want to do that, but we're so fucking scared to do that because we're adults and we can't do that. And of course, I'm not saying go to Whole Foods, drop on the floor and throw a tantrum, right? That, that would be silly. We wouldn't be able to be functioning if we did that all the time. But my God, you have to honor that impulse of expression. 
if you're really excited, what does excitement look like? Is it like, yeah, man, that's pretty cool, man. So I'm excited, yeah. Or does it feel like, oh, I want to shake my body and sing? How does it want to express in your adult-like identity? How does it want to express? But adults need that identification more because we're so much more further removed from our bodies. The pathology of humanity is that we're so disconnected from our bodies. We don't need more intellectualizations. You had mentioned like humming and singing, and um, those are ways to reconnect with our bodies, correct? 100%. What are some others? Movement, humming, singing, dancing, sensual, touching your own body, sensuality, tantra, rolling out on, on release balls. But what I was trying to say is that like, we don't need any more reasoning. We don't need to talk about this shit anymore. You know, we don't need someone to explain why you're fucked up. We don't need someone to explain, quote unquote, fucked up. We don't need someone to explain why you do this and why you do that. My God, it is, that's, that is where we are in this world where we just want to try to understand ourselves. And I'm going to tell you this, the body doesn't care to understand. It doesn't. It doesn't. We don't need to have an epiphany in conversation. I don't need to be your therapist and you need to finally go, now I get it. Now I know why I'm the way I am. Because when I was four years old, this happened in my household and I completely forgot about that memory. And now I understand why my mom and I have a broken relationship. Okay. And are you moving emotion or are you just understanding? We don't need to intellectualize anymore. I'm tired of just talking about it. We have to feel to heal. We have to feel to heal. We have to stop talking about things in our ego and in our brain. The ego loves to be seen. It loves to be heard. It loves to have conversation. It loves to be, oh, now you understand what I'm, where I'm coming from. My God, before you have that conversation with your partner about the argument you just had, you got to move that emotion first and then have the conversation from your heart. So you need to go into your body. You need to know what it is like to feel into your body. You need to know what it is to feel when someone says something to you that's triggering, you need to immediately know, here's where I feel it, here's how I feel. You need to know, is my body contracted? Am I literally washing the dishes with my whole body contracted? Oh, or can I actually just relax my fascia, relax my body, tell my body that the world is safe? You have to have that connection with your body before anything. So we as adults need it. How do we do it? A few things I mentioned. One thing that I do every morning is I wake up, before I even take off my eye mask, I, I, I connect to my body. I start with my heart. Because for me, that's the one that is most easily closed, right? I start with my heart because I know, I know that's what my body wants. And I, I actually meditate under my hand. I meditate into my heart. So I actually feel that my heart is alive. And I actually feel, I can actually imagine that space opening I create space literally in my chest every morning for me to begin to give more love to people and also receive more love. But you or anyone listening, a good way to do it is just connect to where you're holding tension. I know where I hold tension. It's in the upper left part. That means that I have a predisposition to worry and fear, right? But you notice where you have it in the body. Is it in your hips? Is it in your womb, in your belly, in your chest, in your throat, in your neck, in your shoulders? This is important to first just know what's happening in the body. Where do you hold tension? Then bringing awareness to the tension, feeling it, really meditating into the tension. You're going to find yourself protecting yourself. Your ego is going to go, no, this isn't safe. Don't go to the body because the body is going to start releasing. And if you release, you're going to die because it's the same signal you had when you were a kid. So you need to understand your ego is going to, or you need to notice your ego is going to pull you up and go, hmm, what am I going to do later? I wonder what I'm going to eat later. Oh, is this, should I be doing this? No, this isn't working. Forget it. I feel like I should listen to another Little Sipper podcast, right? Like, you know, we, we, we're in our heads. We want to do all these things. What are we going to do? Where doing doesn't matter. It's being. It's being. You have to be. The moment you allow your body to be, guess what? It starts healing. Tune into the tension. Go into the tension. Breathe into the tension. Ask your body, what's here? What am I holding? I promise you, you have every blueprint to healing. People listening, you have every blueprint to healing. We look so externally, try to learn a new thing and look for something else and what is the next best thing. 
You have the blueprint. If you shut your mind up, go into your body, notice what your body tells you, it will tell you exactly what it needs. If you're in the right relationship, if you're in the right diet, if you're in the right job, your body is going to tell you, but you have to first create a connection with it by going into it, feeling into it, notice where you're having tension, asking the body what it needs, asking the body what you're holding in, ultimately breathing into the belly and making sound. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like uh, a lot of my listeners are females and I feel like holding back emotion is more on perhaps the masculine side. A lot of men don't express their emotions as much as women do. However, uh, I feel like even today, women are more on the masculine side. They, you know, maybe a mother, but they're working two jobs. They're workaholics. They're in the career space. They're go, go, go. And that whole feminine part has just gone away because of today's society. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a great point. It's two parts, society's structure, the way we value the masculine energy. And we don't have to say masculine. We can even say yang energy or doing energy, how we value doing, leadership, initiation, accomplishing, a task-oriented, go, 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 right? And the other polarity of the yin, right, or the being or the feminine is the receiving the openness, right? The surrender, the being. We have to balance. And every human being in this world has a balance. They're not in balance. Most are imbalanced, but we have an achievable balance. And what happens is a lot of your uh, listeners are female. The world is already asking for this. We're already saying, hey, it's patriarchal. Go, 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 go. And then when you come home, Go, 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 right? We have other things to do at home. And then, oh yeah, work starts. There's things to do at work. And then home, there's things to do at work. It's two parts. It's one, because of the way it's structured and what we celebrate as a society. We don't really celebrate being, right? We don't celebrate, we don't really hardly, we hardly even celebrate artistry where be, where it comes from that state of being, right? The true soul expression, right? Uh, if that was the case, then painters would be paid more than CEOs, Right. We, we, we need to understand that being is so suppressed in our society. But the other part that people don't often talk about is us men. Us men. We're so disconnected from our own balance. We're so disconnected from a healthy masculine. A lot of us men are living in a wounded masculine state by virtue of our relationship with our fathers. We've never gotten the model of what a healthy man is. Most men, most men don't. Most men walking earth do not have a healthy role model of what masculine means. Masculine, a healthy man, not only can protect and provide, be a leader, right? Hold space, hold space in partnership for their partner. How many of you listeners does your man go when you start crying, shuts down, doesn't know how to hold you in your own tears? Right? How many of you, when you get angry, the man gets angry at you for getting angry? Right? This is important to understand. A healthy man who's confronted his own demons, has confronted his own relationship with his father, is able to hold their partner in their fullest expression. This is the most sacred union. Because what happens is when a man is in his healthiest, healthiest masculine, I can hold he can hold a full expression of the female, whether it's in all of her sadness, all of her anger, all of her guilt, all of her shame, all of her fear, all of her sexuality, everything, it can be held. And that allows a woman to guess what? Fully be in being, fully be in surrender, fully be in that balance that she so desperately craves in today's society. So it's two parts. It's a woman bringing awareness to, oh, am I in balance? Am I allowing my feminine to be here? But, but if you're in a partnership, my God, we need to, as men, show women that we are empowered men connected to our hearts. We've seen our own shit and we can hold women. So now women have a new experience with what men look like in today's world. This is our responsibility as men. It's actually one of the most important things we can do, not only for ourselves, but our families. It's, it's, it is the number one thing that any man listening needs to do. You have to connect to your heart. You have to connect to what it means to be a healthy masculine. 
You have to forgive your father. And by doing that, you become a better man overall. That's the most beautiful thing that we can do mm. as men. Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. Um, I mean, I feel like still there's just so many people out there probably listening and wondering, well, shoot, is, is this me? Do I need emotional healing? You know, wh- where does one start? Where do, where do they decide? Yeah, this is me. I need to, I need to get this emotional healing because I've tried all the things to heal whatever, my eczema or this or that and my stomach issues. Like, where does one go? Do they just go to a therapist? Do they, I mean, what are some resources? Yeah. If you're not walking around this earth fully expressed in your work, in the way you show up in the world, in the clothes that you wear, in the way you want to do your hair, in the things that you want to say, if you're not fully expressed and you have fear when you want to sing in front of people, if you're not fully expressed and you have fear when you really want to dance and you don't, then you're holding in stuff, period, right? Because if you're not holding in stuff, you're expressed. And if you're expressed, you're fully authentic. You're fully you. You're actually letting your soul, who you are, truly at your essence, come to the surface and be embodied. And to me, that's the goal of life. That's the enlightenment. That's the embodiment of life. That's why we're here, to have this experiential embodiment of what we know ourselves to be conceptually. And that's just pure, unconditional love with our hearts open, but being able to hold all everyone else. So you ask the question, how do we know? If you're not there, then, then, then it's you. That means most people walking earth, including myself. I try and I try and I do my work and still I feel things, right? But I'll tell you right now, within months, within years, I've become a completely different person in the best of ways, much more fearless, much more in my heart and loving. The opposite of fear is love. So if you're in a more loving state and you're not afraid to be you and you're honoring yourself and worried less about the fear of judgment from others, you already know you're on the right path. If you're suffering with physical issues, which is much more downstream and they're not going away, there's an emotional component. If you have mental issues and they're not going away and you're just tempering them with other things, right? Other agents that are just shutting you down, you likely need to look at something deeper inside there. So how do we start? You build a relationship with your body, as I said, you have to. You have to connect to your body. This is one-on-one to being a human. There should be rules on being a human. Eat, sleep, poop, and then connect to your body. And maybe dance and sing, right? Those are rules to being a human. Like Those, are that. those should be the real commandments, right? To remember you, to who you are. So we lost that. Connect to your body. Fundamental. You have to move your body. We evolved in sound, singing dance. We evolved that way. We were in tribes. We had spaces where we celebrated that movement. How many of you out there have danced and actually have felt worse in the worst mood? How many of you have sang and actually have felt more depressed or more anxious or more angry? The reason you feel better, never, it's impossible. The reason you feel better, it's the same thing like being in nature, the same thing of going in the ocean, putting your feet on the ground. These are all fundamental things, but we're talking about just the emotional part. The reason why is because you're moving the, the repressed energy in the body. You're actually accessing stuff. So when you're dancing and you're really allowing yourself to dance and really moving and you're just feeling that elation and you go, yeah, I love this song. Ooh, and you're moving your body the way your body wants to move, not the way you think you need to move. Or you're singing from your heart. Your heart is cracked open. Your full belly is singing. You're letting yourself be big. When you're dancing, you're letting yourself be big. You're coming back to who you are. This is why this work is so important. So get into the body, sing more, dance more, and ultimately challenge yourself every day to be more vulnerable. That means telling the person that you don't always tell you love them, that you love them deeply. That means the moment you feel that impulse to compliment someone at a restaurant on their outfit or their hair or their jewelry or just their energy, say it. Don't be afraid of how you're going to be perceived because ultimately it's about you. 
and your heart opening up and you keeping that open. So you got to make yourself uncomfortable, especially if you suffer with vulnerability. A lot of men that would resonate with, with, but a lot of women too. Important to keep the heart open. This is where, this is the key. If you're able to keep your heart open and give truly in love, you're, it's, it's going to be so easy for you to start moving any emotion because you're not afraid of vulnerability. You're fearless. So that means if your heart is still open in the moment, if you're triggered, you can actually go, okay, yeah, my heart's open. I'm in love. I feel love, but I'm angry right now. I'm going to go to that room that I created in my house or my bedroom or even my bed and just move that anger. I'm going to shake my body. I'm going to move that energy all the way to my throat and oh, scream from my belly, not my chest, right? Or your heart's open and you see something as a man and it makes you sad and you want to cry. Oh, you're not, you're not going to swallow. You're not going to keep the ball in your throat. You're going to move that energy. You're going to allow yourself to be in your masculine. And what I mean by that is open that space, hold your own emotions, hold yourself in your own emotions and express. This is our responsibility as humans at this point. I'm tired of just thinking and talking and talking. You can go to a therapist and they're going to show you that there's a tree. They're not going to get to the root. And I love therapy. And I love therapists, and I think they are fundamental to healing too. But how much can you talk your way into emotional healing? The answer is zero. It'll show you that you need emotional healing. It'll show you that you've been through some shit. But ultimately, your body, your connection with the body is going to dictate that emotional release. Yeah. Well, I, I'll just share a quick story too. And one time in therapy, I was talking with my therapist and we've had so many sessions, right? And the best therapy session I ever had was when I started bawling and crying. And go. it was a huge release. And I actually did something instead of just talk, you know? And it was huge. And that was, and afterwards I had no anxiety. I wasn't shaking. It was, I felt amazing afterwards because I physically did something besides just talk. Of course. Every therapist, every therapist needs that, a, a tool to have their sure. clients like you open the space for you to feel safe, to let go of that river that you're being held onto. Yeah. And I feel like just a huge takeaway is stop worrying about what others think. Just stop worrying and, and do your thing. And also just came to mind, but you were talking about dancing and singing and tribe tribes and just even storytelling. And what did we do long ago before social media and before cell phones and computers and technology? We hung out with people, we connected, we told stories, yeah. we danced. Nowadays, mm -hmm. I think people just go on their phones to maybe suppress their emotions or whatever. And we don't mm -hmm. do that anymore because we have technology. Yes. So distraction and addiction, easy way to distract and be addicted to stuff. So then, so then that begs the question, how can you connect more? Well, first start with yourself. You have to create a ritual. You have to create time in your day that is your time, non-negotiable to express whatever you need to express. And you'll know the more you connect with your body, your body's going to go, Ooh, today I want to dance. I ask my body every day. What do you want? What do you want? And then I ask my soul every day. What do you want? And then I ask my inner child, what do you want? Three things. And my, it's my responsibility to honor all three of them. And if I do, at the end of the day, I feel a lot better. So create that ritual. Ask yourself these questions. Feel into your body. And if you feel called to move, put on three, four songs. Connect with your body. Put on two songs, one song, and just say, I love you, body. I love you. I've been so insecure about my big toe, but I fucking love my big toe today. I love you today. I feel good. Watch me move my body. Watch me be big. It's all about being bigger, taking up more space. Because the more space you create and for yourself, the more space you create for you to embody your true self. And your true self is big. Kids are big. Kids tend to be big in their energy. And so are you. That's the most important part. Mm, wow. Thank you so much, Dr. G. This has just been so enlightening and such an eye-opener. And where can people find you if they want to check out your page, all your social media? Sure. The Instagram is Dr. Gonzalez, D-O-C-T-O-R dot G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z, drgonzalez.com. I mean, just that's the handle, but then also docgonzalez.com is the website for emotional healing. It's another website. It's www.elm.health. And we offer virtual group healings. Um, we also, I also do one-on-ones. We have uh, quarterly events. A lot of them are in LA. The next one is October 7th. Powerful stuff. I'm talking about like, 
holy moly, the testimonials are like, I've never experienced anything like this, or I need to bring my whole family to this, or I felt this way physically, and now everything's gone in five hours. So we bring people through a journey. I love those events. And the next one is October 7th. So whoever's listening, come. It's all in my bio. You can click the link in the bio, my Instagram bio, and everything is there. Wonderful. And we'll be sure to include those links in today's show notes as well. So thank you so much again, Dr. G, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digest This. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let us know. If you're ever wondering how you can support me and this podcast, sharing it with your friends and family is the best way. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Mike Fry. To email the show, message us at digestthispod at gmail.com. See you next time. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor or health team first. Looking to build a more robust foundation in your health and well-being? From the producer of Digest This comes one of the most popular alternative health shows on Apple Podcasts, The Dr. Tina Show. Dr. Tina Moore is a naturopathic physician and chiropractor, traditionally and alternatively trained in science and medicine. The show features exclusive interviews with experts such as Sean Stevenson, Mike Mutzel, Mark Groves, and even solo episodes covering metabolic health, pharmaceuticals, chronic diseases, long hauler syndrome, and pain management. Dr. Tina delivers the information in a no-nonsense, real-world style, and she has the science to back it up. The Dr. Tina Show is edgy, entertaining, and informative. Every episode will leave you with a new pearl of health wisdom to expand your knowledge base. When you're empowered, you can do better for yourself, your family, and your community. Resilience is the name of the game, and Dr. Tina is here to guide you on your way. Listen to The Dr. Tina Show today on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resident Media.